Always do it on my own, so I gotta get through it And the only thing I know is to love what I'm doing Never give up, never slow, till I finally prove it Never listen to the no Good evening. Look away. What are you doing? Look at me when I'm speaking to you. In 1776, the year of our Lord and Savior George Washington and his son, Thomas Jefferson, a bunch of beer-soaked hooligans in a tavern not so far, far away decided they didn't like being told what to do. What happened after that was such an incredible invention, such an incredible idea that it has shaped the modern world and possibly the foreseeable future. That was individual liberty. Well, currently, individual liberty is under attack. To those people who wish to destroy individual liberty, who wish to take our rights, suck our dicks, and our balls. Dude. I mean, Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> no worries, dude. Like All I right. said, I'm flexible. So. Yeah. All right, man. No, you don't. Uh, I guess you don't have to hide, man. I mean, you just call me Barnes. All righty. Sweet. Yeah, but I, I talked to Command and everything, and they were just like, you know, keep it above board. Yeah. So, I don't, uh, I don't yeah. foresee, like, foresee us going into any crazy you know, crazy stuff. Um, there's a few sensitive things, but we don't have to get into that. Um, but to, just to start out, I know you, but the people watching this don't. Uh, can you just give me a quick wave tops kind of background and bio of yourself? Um, obviously, you're a Marine. Um, they're going to know that. But other than that, uh, tell me a little bit about yourself, if you don't mind. Uh, so I, I grew up in uh, rural Missouri. Country boy. Yeah. Uh, town I grew up in, I always explained it like the, uh, Friday night lights town pretty much. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's pretty much how it was. Like football was really big and, <clears throat> you know, wasn't, wasn't so much a farming community as a ranching community. Mm -hmm. So we grew up, uh, baling hay and cutting wood and playing football. That's 90% of what I did. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's relevant to bring up football cause, uh, childhood, was not good for me. Mm -hmm. We probably we can get into that more later if you want. If you want to get into the psychology of why anybody signs up to do this <laughs> shit, but yeah, well, everyone in Uncle Sam's misguided children's a little fucked up, I think. <laughs> but maybe you're. Yeah. I've heard a lot of stories. Yours maybe yeah. takes the cake. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, so uh, football was like first thing I ever did. Um, that was that I, I. I don't know. I felt like I had worse. Mm -hmm. You know. Oh, and I never played college ball or anything, you know, but I was, I was a all conference, all district, you know, like defensive player, man. It, yeah. it gave me purpose. Which in those small towns, yeah. kind of like my small town, that's a big deal when like high fuck school yeah, sports was, are taken very seriously. Yeah. Fuck yeah, it was. And you know, all the, just so happened, like all the rich kids, you know, were like the athletic kids and they kind of mm -hmm. ran everything. So I was white fucking whiskey tango, dude. Oh yeah. So I fucking like, I, you know, it gave me a real sense of belonging. And after football was over, um, graduated high school like about a week after i graduated high school i was on the street uh me and my mom didn't get on too well mm -hmm. so i was on the street and uh went through a real bad time uh got into drugs and uh ended up in a ended up like locked up in a rehab facility and it was in that facility 
that um basically I made the choice. Yeah. Because my dad, like, I was I was stuck in like fucking you're, you know where Battle Creek, Michigan is? Not off the top of my head. Where? Well, it's, the, it's outside use of the Detroit hand. and it's fucking gnarly, dude. Oh yeah, anywhere around Detroit's gonna be pretty pretty gnarly. Yeah. So I was stuck up there, and uh, my family, like, nobody would send me any money to get out of that place. And my dad finally was like, "All right, convince me, convince yeah. me." Mm-hmm. So I said, "And you were what, eight, eighteen at this point?" No, I was a. Uh, no, I was probably still eighteen, like like late. Right in there, 18. very yeah, about to be nineteen. Alrighty. Yeah, so I said, "Hey, I'll join the Marine Corps." So he gave me sixty dollars for a Greyhound bus, and. Uh, Rode that fucker down uh, back Springfield, came, went to my dad's apartment, slept, woke up the next day, and he drove me to the recruiting station. And then I didn't leave for boot camp for about another, like, 10 months. So I was in the pool program. But, was it difficult like, to kind of stay like, clean, or when you had kind of a focus, was it a lot easier? Well, it's funny Funny you mentioned that. Like, uh, I, I still uh, – I had some relapse issues. Mm-hmm. Not with the, because when I originally went to rehab, like the the majority of my problem was speed, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And I can honestly say, man, it's been 12 years now, dude. Like I'm I'm a million percent clean off that shit. Hell yeah, man. Congratulations. uh, Yeah. I haven't touched any of that. Um, It it wasn't really by choice, but kind of after I joined the pool program, kind of waiting to go, you know, I was still drinking, you know, like an idiot or whatever, but you know, I quit all the drugs, but Mm -hmm. I ended up getting into like a lot of like weird, like, like I got jumped at a party. You know, and fucking, mm-hmm. like, I, I've fucking, I got a real bad boxer break in my hand, got a TBI from that fight, so mm-hmm. I had, like, pain pills, you know, so I was kind of, like, abusing pain pills and all this shit, but mm-hmm. I remember, like, dangerous road. A, yeah, but I always went to PT. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I, that's, yeah. that's the thing, man, like, I, I lived for working out, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah, I remember that even when uh, I was in the Marine Corps with you, you yeah. could be pissed drunk at five in the morning and then by six you were going on a 12 mile gun run somehow no one ever knew but just adrenaline <laughs> yeah but anyway psycho. uh yeah by the way so, do you care uh turning off and turning back on your camera just real fast because you're frozen yeah. on my end i mean it's not a big I, deal because the video is not a big deal but just it might work how do i do that uh let's see there should be like a little thing um somewhere um, that says like hide or camera towards the bottom left of the screen. And then you can just hit it, click the camera, and then turn it back on. Oh wait a minute! See me now? Still frozen, but that's fine. I'm just happy um, I got like a picture to use anyway, because I was gonna okay. just be like, I was gonna just have like a little graphic with the little, you know, the sound waves on it. So this is better. But um, anyway, so you. You go to boot camp. Um, that was East Coast, yep. West Coast. MCRD, San Diego, man. Nice Hollywood Marine. Yeah, fucking. Um, yeah, you remember this? Oh yeah. wait, you can't fucking see me. Remember, I had a, I had a Hollywood tattooed over my EGA. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is a, another in the long list of great great decisions in life. <laughs> yeah. Well, I did that. I did that to piss off my seniors. Uh, they were all yeah. They were all six Marine Marja guys. Oh they yeah, would, so they're they super. Us, so, yeah, yeah, that would always surprise me because I never really cared because I, as soon as I got out of SOI, went to West Coast. But I guess for people who are loyal, they get out of, they go to boot camp, um, oh. they're training, and then get to a unit on one coast. It's almost like gang warfare. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, especially with these guys, man, you know, and it obviously it was it was a different time. Yeah. You know, so I mean, yeah, there's there's a lot more like beef with that shit, man. It's just it's just jealous, motherfucker. You know, like mm-hmm. it, I don't know, I don't know if you ever made it over to Lejeune, dude, but like, <laughs> would you rather be like hanging out with like surfer chicks in San Clemente, or would you rather be hanging out with white trash <laughs> in Jayville, dude? Like, it's so well, me that. personally. Uh, probably the answer would surprise you. You you would have done well, actually. I'd be right at home, like, who wants to be in San Diego? All righty, so so you um, get through there, go through training. What was your – you were originally 0311, right? Or no, you were 31. So that that's weird. So mm-hmm. I had a security force contract. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, back in those days – like every security force contract was 0311 as I understood it. Right. Mm-hmm. But in my particular ITB class, um, basically like LAR took like a third of the guys. Mm-hmm. It was just one of those weird times where like LAR showed up and they're like, we're taking, you know, this and that. And then we had a big recon crew in my SOI class. So it was, it was fucked. So basically uh, one day in ITB right before the split, um, old boy comes out you know and he goes uh all right you 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 stand up and like my last name is barnes so i was always in front of formations right mm-hmm. so I, I stand up and i look left and it's all the biggest dudes and i'm like mother fuck dude <laughs> so we get we get taken in front of the uh his name i'll never forget him man it's sergeant edwards fucking hated that motherfucker. i'm sure he, i'm sure he's totally good dude and all that shit man but like <laughs> All I remember about that guy was, like, being a piece of shit. And, like, he was really, really obsessed with the fact that he got shot in Afghanistan, which mm-hmm. was always kind of funny to me because, like, I already been shot <laughs> at, like, 12. So I was like, I, yeah, that ain't that cool, bro. <laughs> yeah. But he was it's a like, try dick. getting shot stateside, motherfucker. Yeah. He was a fucking dick. Mm-hmm. But the day he brought us in, you know, because they, they can't make you do it. Okay? Mm-hmm. So when I came in, you know, he was, like, it was all smiles. Death. Devil. Devil, I see you on the hikes, Devil. You can lose some weight. Devil, you got to help me out now. Like, just, you know, just being a fucking dick, dude. And, like, I don't know why I did it. I should have told him to fuck off, but I was just, you know. Again, it was a different time. Everybody was a war hero back Mm -hmm. then. And I don't say that facetiously. Like, Mm -hmm. Purple Hearts were common. Uh, Not having a car was extremely more rare than having one. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So there, there was a lot less questions asked when yeah. i was young the age of the salt sense. dog yeah so he so he asked i said yes and i became a 31 never looked back nice and then you still got to do security forces shit which is neat mm-hmm. which yeah, is that- for people who don't know uh can you explain kind of what security forces is because what normal marines do you go to boot camp then you go to soi if you're you know a gunslinger you know infantry mos um and then you go to a unit you kind of went a different a different route yeah, so uh, there's a there's a thing called Marine Corps Security Guard, okay? Mm-hmm. It's and you attain that MOS at BSG school, okay? So you get your security force contract from the recruiter, so you already know you're going into that pipeline. Now, essentially, mm-hmm. what the pipeline is is you still go to boot camp, you still go to ITB SOI, and you become a grunt. But then you immediately go to another school in Virginia called BSG, where you kind of like learn some more specified grunt tasks. 
Like, like some fast roping, stuff like that. Yeah, a little bit of fast roping, a lot of like searching people. They uh, they pistol qual you, shotgun qual you. Uh, for the 11s, they, they give you kind of a crash course on like 240. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's a it's a pretty skate course, but like it, it was it was really good because it was total total like learning environment and you know like pretty good libo and you know it was way more yeah. chill. Like, hey, we actually want you to learn anyway. After BSG school, you basically go two directions. All right. Mm-hmm. You either go to what's called PRP, which I wish I could tell you what that meant <laughs> as far as like the acronym. No, but I essentially, yeah, essentially what it is, is um, I, I won't get too specific, but essentially there are places where nuclear submarines uh, refuel and uh, kind of like transfer nukes. Mm-hmm. And at those places, they like having a marine platoon or a couple of them to basically guard that okay Mm -hmm. and within that platoon they have what's called uh i believe it's called an srt team which is essentially like a a quick reaction team Mm -hmm. that you know god forbid james bond ever you know broke into the nuclear submarine facility Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know they'd be they'd be the guys to go fucking get his ass yeah well that's why when you're training you do like a little fast roping and do some helo stuff that's because you're they specifically have in mind they want you to be able to get places quickly um, well, no, no, also... no, so, no, no, no. So that that's for fast. That's so that's coming up next. All right. So the so the second tier or the second uh, branch of security forces is what's called fast company. Okay. Mm-hmm. And fast is kind of a loose acronym. That's for what women call me in bed, by the way. <laughs> it, st- it stands for uh, like fleet anti terrorism. I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, we call it we call it fake ass SEAL team because <laughs> that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Essentially, all a fast platoon is, man, is it's structured exactly like a grunt platoon. Okay, mm-hmm. they're a little big. It's like a fifty-man platoon, so it's kind of plus up. You definitely have room for like four squads. You know, yeah. uh, they give you hella equipment. So like the platoon has its own like heavy machine guns, two forties. You know, like you know whatever you need, and they have a, the very specific mission of like sensitive site security and embassy like quick reaction security. So essentially the literally the greatest example of what I'm talking about is Benghazi. Mm-hmm. Like if, if the listeners have ever seen 13 hours. Yeah. I was going to bring that up and ask some questions. So yeah, yeah, good. So I, I knew guys. So Benghazi went down when I was an ITB. Mm-hmm. I saw that on the TV in the channel. I knew guys that were spun up to go on that mission. But as, as I was told state department, this such and such that mm-hmm. they didn't actually put boots on the ground and you know, you know, the rest yeah. of the story. Well, that's, yeah, there was during that administration, there were a couple of those instances, one being, you know, my brother in Yemen and yeah, yeah it seems that we had kind that, of a trend there thing. looking back. I, I used to tell you about the, the, on my second deployment with fast, we were based out of Bahrain. Mm-hmm. And the Houthis hadn't taken over yet. Mm-hmm. And that was our whole thing. The That entire deployment, dude, was training and prepping and everything about Yemen. Like, we had briefs. We had we had rehearsals. We had literally everything to go into that mm-hmm. embassy. And it just so fucking happened that about a year, year and a half, two years after that went down, your brother was there with fucking 2-7 of all people. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, what a shit show. But anyway, so you knew people in Benghazi. Um, I forgot where we kind of got off track there. 
But uh, you knew people that got spun up, um, talking about fast. Uh, yeah. Go. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Benghazi is essentially what a fast platoon is there to prevent. Okay. It doesn't. Gotcha. It doesn't have to be an embassy. Like there are certain like any sensitive kind of site. Mm-hmm. Okay. Where wherever it may be, you know, like a fast platoon has a lot of capability in an urban setting. Mm-hmm. To go and basically reinforce it and act as a deterrent and or a quick reaction force. Now, if you now if, if it's this is kind of the problem with fast is that um, it's still a marine platoon. It's still conventional, even though they are mm-hmm. better trained. Which you know, I hated being in fast when I was in it because I wanted to be in the fleet and be going to Afghanistan. But mm-hmm. in the long term, I'm really grateful for my time in fast because it it it. It made me a very, very, like, much more capable individual Marine, mm-hmm. specifically a shooter. Yeah, you and know? you didn't get stuck into the the bureaucracy mindset sort of that you get in. My seniors do it this way. Their seniors did it this way. It seems like fast because I know uh, when I first met you, you did a lot of things a little bit differently or you're a lot more open-minded. And everybody who had just went to Afghanistan for their first yeah. pump came back and was like, no, we do it this way. And I think that's, you know, in hindsight, I look at that and I'm like, well, that's, you want kind of free thinking guys on the ground. Um, you remember, I used to, you remember I used to tell them all the time, you know, cause like I, I would, I would argue with like Regan them and, and I'd, mm-hmm. they'd be like, yeah, well, you know, you know, major David Russell, you know, like Afghanistan, Marsoc, you know, he taught mm-hmm. us this. I'm just like, guys, we're not going to Afghanistan. Yeah. Like that, that, that we never really got past that argument. I mean, you know, they, they did what they were taught, you know, I, I don't hold yeah. it against anybody, but like mm-hmm. very rigid in the old days yeah you know mm-hmm. very rigid we're, we're yeah. a lot better now if it means yeah. anything to you well you do kind of get <laughs> yeah yeah i got some questions about that later on yeah but anyway so that's what fast is so you're there um yep. you do ball rain is your your deployment um well hold on no I, I so i went to cuba first cuba okay so yeah my first deployment was to cuba a few good men for the listeners yeah yeah santiago you couldn't cut it on the line like that's mm-hmm. what i was doing we were guarding the border of guantanamo mm-hmm. bay okay we're gonna stop right here real fast where do you line up like we're not gonna stop the interview but i gotta know where do you line up on a few good men whose side are you on because when i first watched that movie i was in high school (laughs) and i was like fuck these dudes tom cruise is the man a year after being in the marine corps i'm like fuck tom cruise jack nicholson's the man (laughs) i want him to be my daddy yeah I'll, i'll tell you like this man um at, at my stage of my career, dude, like, all I want out of the Marine Corps is the power or the support to quickly, quickly transition guys the fuck away from me that can't cut it or don't want to be here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the great tragedy of conventional forces, man, is it's it's not conscription, but it's definitely not, like, a million percent volunteer either, okay? Yeah. And... So to answer your question, like I'm more on Tom Cruise's side because like Jack Nicholson, like at this point in my career, like that guy, that guy's thoughts, like that guy's vibe, he is my enemy. Because mm. I'd, I'd rather do it with three guys that want to be there than 30 who don't. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess we could break down that movie all day and talk about the way yeah. it could be different. But anyway, so you're in Cuba. What's yeah. that like? Do you get to go outside so, at all and fuck around, or are you just stuck doing military shit? Oh, you're asking about Libo? Yeah. Oh, fuck no. 
<laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah Gu- Guantanamo. I mean, it's a fucking. It's a. It's essentially a border, bro. Really? Like I know. I know guys that uh, went and helped border patrol out. You know, like over the last two years. You know, like mm-hmm. what they were describing was essentially what we did. But what mm-hmm. was amazing about Cuba is obviously the Cubans aren't shooting at us. Like you would hear about that, you know, like mm-hmm. you're in a post looking at them 700 meters away. They're looking back at you. We wave at each other. It, it was all friendly. You <laughs> yeah. know what I'm saying? You guys draw dicks on a wipe off board and held it up to them. They draw dicks and <laughs> hold it up to you. Yeah, why not? Yeah. But what was amazing about Cuba, man, is it, it turned in. It was, it, was, it was only a five monther, but it turned mm-hmm. into a week on post, a week in the field for five straight and every other weekend we got to get fucking drunk so it turned into an amazing kind of training deployment Mm -hmm. because we knew very well how to stand post and how to do like we were pretty well i mean we had ammo so we were pretty well trained coming out of cuba Mm -hmm. came back to the states you know went to the you know cqb course and all that you know got even better Mm -hmm. then we went to bahrain and bahrain was when we were like no shit like operational if you know what i'm saying yeah that's when we were standing by for that yemen shit and all that so Mm -hmm. bahrain turned out to be an eight-monther and obviously we did not get we did not get uh spun up Mm -hmm. in that in that deployment we were ready didn't happen for us we came back yeah now after that uh when, uh, so this is another thing that's kind of interesting. So a fast platoon, uh, there, or at least the way, you know, when I was in fast, it's, mm-hmm. um, it's not, there's no seniors. Okay. Mm-hmm. As in like, okay, I was a boot. Then I became a senior in this platoon. No, a platoon is a two year thing. They form a platoon. The platoon either goes on two deployments like I did or one deployment. And then they disband the platoon. Okay, so it's like you guys all come up together. Yeah. So when we got uh, when we got disbanded after Bahrain, everybody went all across the Marine Corps, and uh, me and my buddy, because uh, my my platoon commander, who was still the best officer I've ever had, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't just say that because you know, oh, he was my first one, you know, and I love him. Like, mm-hmm. no, the, the the guy ended up going like he majored in Arabic in college. He works for JSOC. Like, he's a bad motherfucker. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. And he was like, uh, yo, Barnes, uh, you're going to machine gun leaders when we get back. And I was like, uh, sir, I was like, rah, but uh, also, I've never been in a machine gun section. It was mm-hmm. like, nah, you'll figure it out. Failure's not an <laughs> option. And motherfucker, if failure wasn't an option. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, that's a difficult thing because people don't realize – the military, it's not, you know, we're all just one group. It's like little yeah. gangs within gangs, even within the yeah. infantry. And machine gunners are almost a cult. <laughs> so being an it's outsider. Just like, it's just like prison. You click up. Yeah. You click, yeah, I mean, you click up uh, based on your job title. Uh, mm-hmm. You uh, Sadly, you click up a lot racially. Mm-hmm. You know, like that. that's part of it, man. You know? Yeah. And machine gunners especially like have a certain culture, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. It's, I'm proud to be a part of it. Yeah. I always tell people like, cause I had some anger when I first got out and I'm like, I'm not really, I don't really care that I was a Marine, but I, I'm so proud that I was a machine gunner. You know, it's oh, weird yeah. to juxtapose those two things. But anyway, so you're going to a machine gun section. Is that when you came to three, seven? Yeah. So I actually, um, w- one thing of note is, uh, I went to that course and uh, again, I'd never been a real machine gunner. I shot a lot of machine guns, but it was all like, more of like a saw gunner type shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like individual gunnery. Yeah. 
nothing in support of maneuver or any shit like that. You know, mm-hmm. just individual, like I happen to be the guy with auto fire. Yeah. Well, so I, I was scared to death to go down there, man. I'd never even been in the fleet before, mm-hmm. but I went down mm-hmm. there to Lejeune to go to machine gun leaders, man. And I just said like, you know what, dude, like I, I'm just going to be the best dude I can be. And just, just like the, those, like, you know, those moments, like those good dude vibes, like that was the first time I like found good dude vibes in my life, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, I didn't tell anybody I was in fast until <laughs> finally somebody asked me like halfway through the course, they're like, motherfucker, were you, are you in fast? <laughs> and I was like, yes. And they're like, motherfucker, dude, we didn't even know, dude. You're fucking all right. Yeah, I do forget because <laughs> I went to machine gunners obviously later than you. But I, I do remember there being a stigma for the security forces guys. A well-deserved stigma. Okay, I'll be the first one to admit it. Mm-hmm. I'm the weird one. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Because I, I don't know why, but I, I just showed up, dude. Like I, I met a, I met a, I, I made friends on the first day with this really bad motherfucker who ended up uh, going to ANS and uh, doing Marsoc for a while. He's out now. Mm-hmm. All right, but his name was Matt Duggan. All right, some some guys might recognize the name. Fucking the most Boston dude Boston's ever <laughs> produced. Yeah, we're gonna go and, kill some fucking terrorist. <laughs> yeah, he was fucking just like, hey, Bonds, Bonds, hey, me and you are gonna be buddies, dude. We're gonna look after each other, and it's gonna be good, dude. It's gonna be good. And fucking motherfucker, me and him were like fucking best buds, man. And like, we got each other through the course, and I learned from him. And uh, I was actually honor man for nice. my class, you know, having mm-hmm. never been in a machine gun section. So I said all that to say, fuck anybody who can't pass advanced school, suck my fucking dick. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Yeah, but I anyway, don't... after after that course, I graduated, and then I got orders to fucking goddamn no shit three seven. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, what a what a culture shock that was, bro. Yeah, and since that was that was when I knew you, Zach and I, we talk, we get into that a lot, so we can kind of breeze past that. But you did uh, a couple pumps with them. Um, three. Yeah, three. Um, I, I didn't go on the third one with you guys. So start from, start from there. Okay. So, uh, I, on the third pump, um, I uh, ended up going over to Lima. Hmm. Uh, you you remember Gunny Cunningham? Yep. Okay. Glasses, hipster. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking also Razorback. (laughs) Yeah. Salt dog, dickhead. Awesome guy to be in charge of you. Yeah, so um, uh, I was in a real bad uh, I was in a real bad time, man. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, kind of in limbo, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, w- one day, uh, somebody in weapons company tells me to go over to the fucking Lima Company office, and I was like, "Shit, what is this?" <laughs> so I go over there, man, and uh, fucking uh, Gunning Cunningham was in there, and uh, I-, I had a real. The darkest time in my professional career was on that fourth deployment. Okay. Mm -hmm. I just, I was a young sergeant, man. I made a lot of fucking mistakes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of, uh, a lot of your peers. Okay. Mm -hmm. That like. I was about to say that fourth deployment. That was, that was the, I was there for that one. Right. Because it was your fourth. You were in outside. Yeah. And then we switched out or to go up north. Yeah. Out. I was a uh, I was up north most of the time. Yeah, you were in Cat White, right? No, I was Cat Red. Okay, so you were. Yeah, with us, right? I was with uh, Gunny Will or at that time Staff Sergeant Williams. I was I was in the first 
I, I don't, I'm trying to remember who all was there, but I was in the first wave that went up north. Because I remember getting yeah, ready to go, yeah. and they're like, yeah, you guys are taking Hyvax and your mop yeah. gear. And we're like, what the fuck? I remember you coming out and saying, well, if they have a fucking chain of Roman candles, we're all dead. And we're yeah. like, <laughs> we're looking at the map like, so where are we going? Oh, okay. Yeah, and this is the route we have to take, and these are the vehicles we're taking? Well, this should be fun. <laughs> yeah, that was, a, that was a great deployment, man. Like, we were, we were forward as fuck. Um, for me, though, personally, man, it was, uh, it was a rough time because I was – I was making a lot of young guy mistakes mm -hmm. and just between you and me, man, I, I didn't like the guys I work with. Not, not really your peer group. Like that was all mm -hmm. my fault. Yeah. You know, that, that mm -hmm. was the toxic culture and all that shit. And like, that, mm -hmm. that's what they don't tell you, man, is that, uh, when you stick around, you know, and like you, you and your, your peer mm -hmm. group, like, uh, where was Reg and Keo and Taylor and spirit? Where, where were all those guys fucking on yeah. that deployment? They were fucking there. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it was just it was just me left holding the bag, and I'm like, okay, now I got to work with you guys. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I had a weird opposite thing where I kind of started to become friends with my boots peer group, and uh, I started to end up because you know I didn't really have a whole lot of none of my friends like Ames were around, so yeah. it was just uh, there was really no one to hang out with except for the boots. So I just started hanging out with them, and then we got yeah. back to Kuwait, and uh, people were making jokes like, "Oh, you're hanging out with all the boots." I'm like. Dude, at this point that. we're six months into deployment. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> like, yeah. But anyway, not yeah. to get sidetracked. But yeah, well, um, you'll be happy to that. know, like that shit's way more. Like, you you were ahead of your time. <laughs> well, I like to think so. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I I, I made a lot of like uh, mistakes on that deployment that like still bug me to this. N nothing egregious, man, but just like really. It, it was a very, very sharp learning curve for me as a young yeah. sergeant, man. I, I made a lot of mistakes and didn't really like the guys, you know, the, my peers, the other sergeants, mm -hmm. you know, like we didn't really get along. So it was just a rough time. But yeah. anyway, after that, I left weapons company because Gunny Cunningham, for whatever reason, saw something in me and he went to Lima. So he brought me over with him to take over a section. And for whatever reason, man, like at that point, I figured it out. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, Throughout like that cycle with Lima Company, man, I like I got two NAMs. You know, not the not the NAMs or anything, but uh, you know, there's bullshit NAMs and then there's NAMs for like you know actually doing good shit. Like my mm -hmm. NAMs were legit. I worked really, really, really fucking hard, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, I, I kind of bounced back, you know, mentally. You mm -hmm. know, yeah. So yeah, my fifth deployment was a uh, the worst deployment I ever had in my personal life, but the best deployment I ever had in my professional life. Nice. Yeah, that's a weird – people never take that into consideration, especially when they watch movies and stuff or talk about oh, yeah. people deployed. That's – because that one um, – yeah, the your fourth, my second was same, kind of the same thing. And people don't realize how big of a difference it makes when you got shit going on back home, like personal oh, yeah. shit or even just mental shit. Like then you add on the, the stresses of being on a deployment. But oh. – you got it sorted out, I guess, and then uh, it's a powerless feeling. Yeah, yeah, you're so far away, and you're you're just so strung out already, and there's yeah. really nothing you can do. And then you just have, you know, in between exciting periods, you have nothing to do but think, yeah. <laughs> and that's not good. But um, that's good. You uh, so then after that, you come back, um, and was that your your most recent, or have you head out headed out since then? No, I've, I've done another one since then. Or was that too? Or is that a, uh, 15th, a boot? 15th Mew. All right. So that, that's a, 
was that Europe or was that uh, Okinawa, that area? Or Australia. No, so uh, so the thirteenth is where you actually go like live in Okinawa and like it's not mm-hmm. even really a mu. Uh fifteenth, uh, it just so happened it was also the COVID cruise. <laughs> so uh, th- this this is gonna be hard for you to understand because it was really fucking hard for me to understand, man, because my I did five deployments, no mews. Mm-hmm. You know that's abnormal in the Marine Corps, right? Yeah, like we're, we're, and you we didn't have to go to a, another duty yeah. station and be a recruiter or something. You kind of yeah. got a sweet little pipeline there, sweet in the eyes of a bloodthirsty gunslinger. But maybe right. the regular person says, "Why did you want to deploy?" But um, yeah. But anyway, I, I went on the I went on the Mew, and like it might not have been so bad, bro, but it was COVID time. Mm-hmm. So uh, that deployment ended up being nine months. Jesus. Because we had, uh, it was like six weeks of ROM. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. It was six weeks of quarantine to get on the boat. Ugh. Yeah. And then like, and then we had like, you know, some maritime stuff just off the coast. And then we actually like got underway. But uh, in nine months, dude, um, the actual, like my boat, San Diego, like it made one Libo port in Guam for three days in nine months. <laughs> Holy shit. So it was fucking inmate shit, bro. Like for real. Like cell yeah. block living, dude. And, and, <laughs> but for Do you guys me, have man, to wear your masks on the ship? Sometimes, yeah. God damn. There, there, there was different <laughs> levels sometimes with it. You know, like they would, mm-hmm. uh, like the, the thing that like where we like revolted, man, is they, they shut down the gym for like the first like two months, three months of deployment. Oh, uh-uh, that yeah, doesn't bro. work with grunts. <laughs> Fuck no. We we uh we actually like man packed a bunch of weights in like our deployment bags. Like everybody took some weights mm-hmm. and we were banging we were banging weights in the uh in the birthing area <laughs> and like the fucking navy bitches dude like they would get mad for like mm-hmm. underneath us because they're like, you know, it's a working environment down there. We'd be like, fucking dude, you're about to get hurt. Yeah. Like you need to get the fuck out of here. Dude. You're about to get punched <laughs> or suck some dicks, whore. Move. <laughs> yeah, like dude, you know those deployment bags we used to have? Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude. I, we would we filled one of those with like uh, we filled one of those with like Gore-Texes to where it was like really tight. Mm-hmm. Laid that fucker down in the middle of the birthing. Then we would have like we would have two guys like lift up the bar and like hand it to you, and we'd use that for a bench. <laughs> Jesus, like, that's that's the so that's the epitome like, the of a, a prison gym. Like worse than even in a fob. You're you're on a ship. <laughs> Oh yeah, dude, in Shiprock, back and forth, dude, the sway. <laughs> You'd be fucking benching, dude, just fall over and fucking suck. Just was angry, <laughs> stinky, pent up, horny dudes just ready Fuck to yeah, kill dude. shit. <laughs> Man, that sucks. Anyway, we uh, the the only the only thing uh, operational we did um, uh, we we were part of a uh, is a real op uh, Operation Octave Quartz, which um, I don't know if it's declassified yet, but just uh, in very broad terms. Uh, you, you know, you know those uh, cool guys we used to hang around. Yeah, yeah. So those cool guys were doing a, a tactical withdrawal out of a place, you know. Mm-hmm. And they basically asked us to like, you know, kind of reinforce, back them up, you know, like mm-hmm. more bodies, more guns, mm-hmm. in case something were to go down. And of yeah. course, the fact that we were there meant, oh, the fact that we were there meant nothing went down. Mm-hmm. but it was a real op like it was a it, it was dope for mm-hmm. my young guys man because um 
trying to do a trying to put like combat mindset into the Marine Corps these days, man, is fucking hard. We didn't we didn't have to try with you, mm-hmm. okay? Because there, there yeah, was, I knew no, I was going to a war zone. <laughs> yeah, there's no maybe. Yeah. It's like when we get to motherfucking Iraq, dude. Like, and and by the way, a, a lot of the guys, a lot of the guys knew exactly the fob they were going to because they'd been there mm-hmm. before. You know. Yeah. So get, getting combat mindset in the Marine, Corps, you know, in, in the young Marines, you know, is, is fucking difficult, man. As a as an NCO, you know, to challenge that. So I was mm-hmm. very very happy. Uh, yeah, at least got shocked and like, for the first time, it hits them like. Oh, actually, I might be pulling triggers. I might be stepping oh, yeah. on something that goes boom. It's a, a weird mental shift that happens. Yeah. Oh, dude, and I got, I got to see in their fucking faces, man, because these are also Pendleton Marines, man. Mm-hmm. It's very different. Oh, than so they're used to living up. high by the beach, living, yeah. living life to the fullest. Every, 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 everything ain't that serious, bro. Mm-hmm. So, uh, w- but uh, when, when I got that mission, you know, when I got spun up, you know, like I went downstairs and brought my guys in, dude, you know, like huddle up, you know, and I told him, man, you can see it in their face, you know, yeah. like, you know, the, the, se- the senior dudes were like, you know, a little like, God damn, dude, maybe we'll actually do get to get some before we get out, you know, and the young guys were a little scared, dude, determined, yeah. you know, but scared. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, guess what? Uh, they did everything, the staging, the react, the rehearsals, you know, they did everything to the fucking letter. Cause that's what I told them to do. And they were ready. I was totally fucking good with it, man. Like, let's fucking go. Nice. I trained them. You know? Hell yeah. It's a good experience. So then you come back and, uh, now, now what are you doing? Uh, did you spend a lot more time with that unit or did you, you move on pretty quickly to where you are now? No, uh, I'm at this point right now. I'm, I still am with one four, but I, I left alpha company. I'm not a. I'm not a raider anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I am no longer a part of the boat company, but now I'm in a H&S company as like a training NCO because mm-hmm. uh, I'm just like short time. I'm not going to make the next deployment. So I'm, I'm trying to get orders somewhere else. Nice. Are you uh, planning on staying in or are you getting out? Uh, I'm dropping a package, man. We'll, we'll see what they come back with. Nice. You know? Can you say what your, your package is for? Say what? Can you say what your package is for, or is it still... just reenlistment? Oh, nice. Are you? Yeah. Um... If, if my my dream job is to go work over EOTG and just What's just run EOTG? Uh, run raids package. Oh, nice. That's like the the coyotes. Is that them? Kind kind of, but EOTG is not really coyotes. That's uh that's a TTECG. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go back to twenty on palms. Um. EOTG is like uh, guys that teach like raid leaders course, assault climbers. Oh, gotcha. So like the specialized yeah, like, like courses. Cool yeah. Yeah. Cool guy instructors. Nice. Yeah. I'm still pissed. I never got to go to mountain leaders. I, I yeah, got right? the slot and then the battalion lost their spots. So I didn't get to go. And they sent, uh, I think they had three slots and then they dropped it to two. So Conky got yeah. to go instead. Yeah. But alrighty. So that brings you to where you're at now. And that's, are you easy? I, you're same time zone as me. So I guess you're West coast. Nice. Alrighty. Um, so before I get to some of the stuff I wanted to cover real fast, I wanted to hit your Instagram message. Um, some of the things you said you wanted to talk about were new force design and moving to a more army ranger style. Um, what do you mean by that? Cause I, I kind of thought that the Marine Corps technically was already supposed to be kind of light. Was it light infantry? And that's what the Rangers are as well. So I thought we already kind of did the same roles sort of, or not, not that the same roles, but we're kind of sort of the same thing on paper. So 
again, this is just my very, and by the way, I use like making us more like the Rangers very loosely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously like the Rangers are the Rangers, man. You know, like we're not, that's the, the Marines are not special. Like we are mm-hmm. not special forces. Well, what makes what Marines are special in the sense that we don't get cool gear. We don't get certain things. Like we are just regular military, but it's a collection of psychopaths that they piss yeah. off, put in the middle of the desert, and then, you know, every couple of months unleash on somebody bad. So it's like the the mindset of Marines is completely unlike anyone yeah. I've talked to from any other branch, where it's just people who want to headbutt down doors and murder people with an axe. Just like across the board. If you find someone who's not just a violent, crazy person, it's rare. So that's, I think, one of the big differences. Even though we don't get the training and stuff, we're still very useful. Um, yeah. Our greatest weapon is our culture. Yeah. And in, in a lot of ways, that's the only weapon we have. Yeah. <laughs> but it's effective. Yeah. Well, the, the Marines definitely don't get a lot of cool gear. Yeah. But anyway, so um, – so as I under, so as I understand it, based on all my research and ten years of experience in the military, Rangers and Green Berets have always had a very good relationship, and like they they work very good together. Okay, mm-hmm. Green Berets being true special forces, you know, by with and through, you know, insert all that stuff. Okay, the Rangers being a more direct action a little more conventional, capable direct action force. Mm-hmm. See what I'm saying? Yeah. Now, do the Navy SEALs have anybody that's like conventional, capable, and kind of backs them up? No, not that I'm aware of. They do. It's us, but not in an official capacity. I hear what you're saying. Yeah, And what, what you mean by conventional to people who uh, don't really understand what you mean, it's like uh, more, you know, this group of guys, this group of guys, that's the way you train. Um, I'm thinking, I was going to say symmetrical and asymmetrical warfare, but then I was like, I'd have to explain that better. But it's it's what you think of like rank and file military, whereas like Green Berets, it's a lot different. They, they're kind of, it's not the way that we've done things for, you know, a hundred years. Yeah, it's... Yeah. The difference is beards and buzz cuts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just yeah, bombed explaining that, but you know, people Google it. If you, if you don't know what yeah. conventional warfare is. They can figure is. it out. Like yeah. it's, the, the big, the biggest and greatest difference, man, is um, if you're a special forces guy, uh, you've been put through a lot more uh, physical and mental kind of crucible. Mm-hmm. And you have a lot more, individual training for your own development okay because you're asked to do a way more unspecified range of missions Mm -hmm. okay yeah conventional is way less training uh way less gear it's a really uh, good steak knife and a multi-tool that's the difference way less individual capability but you know you have all the big guns you you know Mm -hmm. you fight the big war Mm -hmm. you know but like Saving Private Ryan, that's conventional fucking army doing their thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Every mission you've ever played in Call of Duty is SF. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's a good way of putting it. Real fast, hold on two seconds. Uh, I need to go turn on the air real fast. My studio's getting hot. Yeah, I'm going to go get a beer. Okay, I'll be right back. All right, you with me?
Yeah. Awesome. All right. Um, so you're saying that we're going to kind of we're leaning more towards being the the army rangers of the for the seals. That's kind of how I interpret it. Like essentially. Um, wait, wait one second, bro. No, no worries. I'll be right back. Gotcha. So, basically, what, uh, if, uh, are you familiar with the new Commandant? No. Okay. I haven't really, I haven't kept up with the Marine Corps a whole lot, because when I got out, I was angry, then I went and did some stuff in the private sector, and then I kind of, for the last couple of years, have just completely written off the military and tried to forget about it. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm pretty behind on a lot of insider news like who the commandant is and stuff well uh certainly he's controversial okay mm -hmm. in what and, ways uh, like politically no 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 uh like tactically strategically yes the this the the decisions he's making are some people would call it radical I'm in, you remember where you were talking about a fast, like open-mindedness. Mm -hmm. So I'm a full supporter of the commandant. And I'm not just saying that cause we're live right now or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, essentially, Oh, there's one more thing you got to know about him. Uh, he's a recon dude. Hmm. That okay. explains a lot. <laughs> yeah. So he basically has a lot of ideas about how to make us smaller, how to make us more individually capable that's, basically elevate us it sounds so like not, adjusting to the times like we should have 20 years ago to realize we too. fight asymmetrical warfare now yeah and our enemy is asymmetrical and we've basically had to transition into doing stability ops which is not our technical job right. so yeah that's this is a long it sounds like this is a long overdue change yeah a lot of people would say that so um for for example um, essentially what they want to do I'm just, I'm just going to wave top it, you know, like there, there's yeah. a lot to it, but like, here, here's some significant changes. Um, weapons MOSs are going away. Really? Uh, cat is going away. In lieu of what? Uh, how the army does kind of, uh, direct fire and indirect fire. Can you Which, elaborate on that just a little bit? Because, I mean, I, I'm trying to wrap my my mind around getting rid of a cat section, which for people who don't know is a combined anti-armor team. It's uh, right. vehicles. You have tow missiles, machine guns. Um, but some big ass that you can put in the fight. Okay. So I'll, I'll, I'll try to do this. Uh, I'll try to do this as concisely as I can. Okay. Uh, yeah. So the way army infantry works okay mm -hmm. is that you essentially have guys with an mos or what have you you know that are just regular infantry guys okay mm -hmm. 11 bravo all right now as an 11 bravo you're qualified on all types of rifles all types of machine guns you know like whatever 
Okay. Yeah, then you just get and, put wherever as you know the needs of the army need you, right? Yeah, or or what your talent is. Mm-hmm. If you have a talent for fifty cal gunning, you're probably going to do that, right? Mm-hmm. Now, the only thing they specify is mortarman. Okay. Yeah. And of course you can because like you just can't have any motherfucker. Yeah, there's a lot of math and coordinate plotting yeah. and stuff, and you're handling big yeah. explosives. And I mean, a lot of a lot of people would say there's a lot of math and. This and that with machine gunning, but not if you just want to kind of spray and pray machine gunning. You <laughs> yeah, know what I'm saying, okay? you're not dropping there's... precision bombs. Yeah, like in level buildings. Yeah, but there's 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 levels to this, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Now the way we have always done it in the Marine Corps up until now times, okay, and uh, I couldn't tell you why. I would have to dig deep into the history. But the mm-hmm. way we have always done it as Marines is that we have riflemen, mortarmen, machine gunners, assaultmen, and uh, uh, to uh, missilemen. Yeah, anti-tank. Okay. Essentially, in, in simplest terms, um, if you're a weapons MOS, okay, which means that you essentially go to school to be you learn something on top of just carrying a rifle yeah and you're an expert in that one thing so Mm -hmm. me and alex we were machine gunners that Mm -hmm. was our trade so we were qualified on the three machine guns medium uh 240 50 cal and mark 19 Mm-hmm. And yeah, we could still shoot rifle because every marine a rifleman, and for mm-hmm. infantry, every infantryman is actually a rifleman. Yeah, you know, like yada yada. Mm-hmm. But we have this like specialty, and machine guns are ninety percent of what we do is employ that machine gun, mm-hmm. and we train to it. Uh, we attain kind of the other levels that the army can't get to, as far as like the gunnery mm-hmm. and the science and the, you know, there's just yeah. more buy-in. More well, that's why the uh, the book yeah. they you know you get issued during your training courses machine guns yep. and machine gun mastery. That's your yep. your jam. It's your thing, and that's a lot of good machine gunners take a lot of pride in that. And like yep. it's a huge, it's very embarrassing thing if somebody who's not a machine gunner has a question. Like even on a hike, if a non machine gunner has to carry a machine gun yep. or someone you don't know a piece of knowledge about machine guns that someone else knows, it's a I mean it could be a career destroyer depending on who's watching. Yeah, that's that's the culture part of it. Mm-hmm. Is it's, it it's kind of perfection. Like, yeah. It's a forced pride thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now on the other side of that argument, does that make you a little one dimensional? Yes it does. Mm-hmm. Yes, it does. It, it makes you a little rigid in what you do and who you are and what you're capable of. Which is good so, in conventional warfare, but maybe not so much in, you know, stability ops and asymmetrical warfare. Well, I don't – I. this is the way I look at it, man. And this is, you know, I've been doing this a while now. And here's what I can tell you. It's – it's about the quality of dude, okay? Mm-hmm. Not really about the knowledge, okay? Because you know what good dudes do when they get a mission and like they're kind of asked to do a thing. Like they do their research and train. They go, they go read up. They rehearse, okay? They they try, you know, they do their best, and because they're competent, it's all good. Now take two. Now let's leave heavy guns out of it for a second, okay? Mm-hmm. 
I can teach any fucking idiot to shoot 240s effectively. Yeah. Okay. God's gun. Yeah. Like, there ain't no fucking problem. Now, heavy guns, yes, you need a little more, like, subject matter expert, you know, fairy dust on that. Mm -hmm. But any idiot can shoot a 240, okay? Mm -hmm. So, instead of, like, taking a dude and making that his world, okay, especially if he's a super competent dude, okay, -hmm. because I could take this super competent dude and make him, like, semi-competent at, like, four tasks. Yeah. Okay? Like, Mm -hmm. how many machine gunners you know, man, that can, like, rig up a charge? Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, that's a separate problem. I feel like though, be, yeah. that's, that comes down to having the, you have to get it cleared. I, th- I think there should be a lot more cross training. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's hard though, when you have guys come and they have, you know, three to six months before they're deploying. So maybe yeah. in this Marine Corps, you can do it. It's really hard with that. You're turning around deployments in less than a year, but yeah. I do think there's a lot that units individually could do. I look back and I wish that we, I had had our guys do a lot more cross training. So I get what you're saying. And I do agree. Yeah. It's, and by the way, they, they've changed how ITV works now. Mm-hmm. IG, infantry training like battalion a, for people yeah. who don't know. Say what? Uh, for people who don't know, that's infantry training battalion. That's where you go to. It's yeah. infantry MOS school. Yeah. They've, uh, they've changed that from like uh, two, two months, like whatever it was when we went through. Uh, that thing's like, uh, it's like six months now or some shit, dude. Good. <laughs> yeah. Fuck yeah. Like it's, it's what we always said for years. Right. And, mm-hmm. but like th- those guys, they're not, um, they don't get an MOS except O three, 3 commando. When did this and, change take place? Cause I, I like the sound of it. It's just, yeah. it's hard to believe that it's uh, cause I'm only, I've only been out three years. This is a massive change. Yeah, it is. It's a uh, it's fucking crazy, man. Like, it, it, by the way, this is some brand new shit. Okay, so okay. like within the last they've, like, year, ju- they've just started doing this. Alrighty. Yeah, but uh, but all these kids, man, you know, like fucking, because everybody's everything, right? Mm-hmm. So every kid gets to shoot a little two forty in support of maneuver. Okay, not just do it. Okay, like they get to shoot two forty on like a real range, man. Uh, they all get to shoot some rocket. They, you know, they get a lot more like um, no ship patrol ops. You know, like mm-hmm. you know, they're they're running all over the fucking hills, up in yeah. there, dude. Like they have some force on force stuff. Like mm-hmm. so um, the, the quality of training in, has improved drastically. In some ways, yes. Mm-hmm. There, well. there, there's a there is a dark side to training. How training is happening in the Marine Corps. You know, but mm-hmm. we don't have to get into that. Yeah, well, I'm curious. Like, uh, so maybe the the infrastructure has improved for training, but maybe the individual actions are not being conducted properly or the right way. So everything's everything, right? Mm-hmm. Fucking, you, you know what? You know what? Uh, you know what? My biggest problem back when, like, me and you were in was what? Any idea we had? Any, like, you know, like, well, this could probably work, right, guys? Oh, immediately you know, shot down. Yeah, because, oh, fucking, yeah, well, in Ramadi. You yeah. know, like, mm-hmm. there was always those motherfuckers around, man. Like, everything was, like, you know, anything you wanted to do, anything you wanted to innovate, whether you were right or wrong, it didn't matter if mm-hmm. you did not emulate what other guys, like, had lessons learned in combat. You know, like, not that mm-hmm. it was, I mean, 90% of it was, like, good shit we wanted to emulate. Yeah. But it uh, was a certainly... 
uh, stifling. Yeah. Okay. And extremely like you will do A to get to B to get to C and you will die trying. <laughs> and that is the way it is because Ramadi, yeah. right? And that's something that the other branches of the military, particularly the army and their uh, their rangers and special forces, they outgrew that very, like I'd say 10 years before the Marine Corps started even talking about this. I'd say before that. Like they were switching to high port in like the mid 2000s, yeah. I believe. Perfect example. Yeah. Um, So, but what was good about those times, man, um, way less uh, range rigid, if you know what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. There was was way less like, wow, you remember those like Osprey rides we used to have? (laughs) Yeah. Like do some hard landings and shit and everybody's like, oh, bail out. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like when it was on, it was on. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, especially especially out in Seventh Marines, man. Like, you know how many fucking bodies we put in the ground just on heat cases, and like nobody gave a fuck. There's like about yeah. to march. Yeah, it's know? definitely a sink or swim sort of yeah. environment. There's a reason uh, Twenty Nine Palms is when you say you're in Twenty Nine Palms, people in the military go, "Oh, you're out in the sticks." <laughs> yeah, fucking prison planet, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All so, right. so anyway, now nowadays, um very generalized training okay mm-hmm. people don't even want to talk about iraq and afghanistan dude like they don't want to talk about lessons learned they don't want to talk about fucking insurgency like everybody is switching and trying to get back to this you know what we, what we used to hate like dude mm-hmm. why the fuck are we fighting the russians at range 400 again dude like we probably need to learn how to fucking like speak some arabic that'd be cool yeah, you know, uh-huh. but whatever. Yeah, so that that's actually one of my questions here. Is I was going to ask, what are your thoughts about future wars? Like, yeah, I was going to ask, what's our? We can get to the second part of that question, which is, which is, what's our preparation as a nation right now? But it sounds like we're we're switching training, so we're making that change, which is good for maybe a more conventional war. But um, what is, at least what's the vibe in the military or what are people kind of talking about the, the scuttlebutt for lack of a better phrase about potential conflicts or what, what's kind of the, the direction that the Marine Corps is looking for future fights. Let me, let me take a piss and I'll answer that. Alrighty. All right. So obviously and officially uh, motherfucking China, right? Yeah. That's kind of the on the horizon, the big dog. Which, like that—that's that, kind of like the official. You know, what I mean, it's it ain't no secret. All right, like America at large is preparing for war with China now. Do you even think that that's possible? Because Zach and I go back and forth on this. We're in kind of a Mexican standoff. I don't. So in our one of our other episodes, we went over the the GDPs and the economies of the different yeah. countries. And you have China is around eighteen billion, I believe. The U.S. is over twenty billion or trillion, pardon me. And then Russia is at like one point seven. So I don't even consider Russia really in the debate. They're going to be, a, you know, they'll jump on one side or the other. But really, I only see two major superpowers in the world right now. Um, there's some potential ones like Turkey that could be a problem in the future. But right now, China and the U.S., I don't see how conflict – our economies are so intertwined. We both are nu- have nuclear arms. 
I don't even see how that's possible. Now, we've been taken by surprise before in history where no one thought something was possible. But do you really realistically see that being feasible for there to be a massive conventional war? Or do you see it playing out in more of these proxy wars where they're funding a group and then we're funding a group and then we're kind of battling yeah. that way? And there it fucking is, ain't it? Yeah. The endless proxy wars. Do you know? Uh, do you know who China has to fucking also contend with if they want to pull like real triggers? Um, well, I know Russia is pretty dependent economically on the West, so they're going to have a lot of problems there. But uh, I'm guessing you have a different person in mind. India. India. You know, I've never really thought about that, but yeah. India has a lot of fucking people. Yeah, they have a huge army, dude, and they're waiting for a reason. Yeah, you, you can find it. You can find it online, dude. There's already been um, over, over the last couple of years. There's been like executions on the border of mm -hmm. Chinese soldiers, like executing Indians and vice versa. And just, now that's like, interesting. I've never, yeah. I've never thought about that, and I haven't yeah. heard about that. India, that is a very powerful ally. Do you think yeah. that they would? Now, here's the question, though: Do they side with the U.S. or do they see the U.S. as weak, and then China and Russia are, you know? Because India is obviously up and coming. They struggle. Their economy's struggling. So if you could have – Russia's not going to be able to contribute much, but you have China that starts to maybe import a lot of China, India's goods, boost them economically. Would they see them as an ally because there's a lot less cost geographically where they're at? Or would India side with the U.S. and in return, what would we have to give them? It's an interesting dynamic. Yeah. By, by the way, just, just so I get this on record um, – Russia is a non-factor and they always have been. <laughs> yeah. They have they have found success off their own soil one time and that was World War II with the weight of the world backing them up. Okay, the Russians are And you can even weak. argue the level of success that really was. Yeah. I mean, I give it to them. I give it to them. But Russians are incredibly deadly in Russia. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, they just they're have a lot of bodies they can throw at a problem. Yeah. <laughs> like if you look they're at the... They're always under-trained, always... That's neither here nor there. R Russia is a non-factor mm -hmm. in what I'm talking about. So... Militarily, economically, I completely yeah. agree. I've, I'm tired of talking about Russia and Ukraine. I don't care. They're irrelevant. Yeah. Now, um... Th think of the... Think of the, the uh, economic powerhouse of... Japan, for instance. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, uh, Japan is not a large military power, but uh, certainly they're a proficient one. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, pr pretty decent navy. Um, obviously, the South Koreans. You know. Yeah. The so South Koreans are a little. Um, I feel like in a conventional conflict like that. They would kind of, uh, they would kind of turn into like an uh, an Israel type situation. Like, mm -hmm. uh, how many Israelis fought with us in Iraq, dude? Yeah, none. They're they're focused yeah. on their own shit. <laughs> yeah, and South Korea probably would do the same. Especially but, if, but, if but, you think about again, some pops off between the United States and uh, China, you're 100. North Korea is going to get involved in trying to take South Korea, so they're going to have their I mean, own problems to deal that's with. That's cool. They'll get absolutely smoked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But um, to answer your question, bro, 
I don't see, like, at my level, man, I'm a fucking sergeant second award, okay? Mm -hmm. With 10 years experience, I am in no fucking way, all right, a scholar of war, okay? Mm -hmm. However, I don't see any scenario where China wins, Okay. Mm -hmm. Even just against us. All right. Never mind, you know, all, you know, all the bubbas we, you know, come to play with. All right. Yeah. All of the British, all the British Navy, the Australians. I mean, you know, you name it. Yeah. Well, the logistics um, anyway of just China facing the U.S. head on this yeah. would be so difficult. Like, I know. There's so much ground in between there. Yeah. yeah, that's just another thing that makes it difficult. But you think that we would we would win even though they have – well, they're expanding their military. How worried, worried are you about that? I'm not, bro. I mean they can make a lot of stuff, but they're, they're not great at innovation. So I think that we still have a lot of – and you know, in war, technology typically – I mean look at the Nazis. Look at you know lots of this stuff. Technology plays a huge factor. So that is definitely a leg that – you know, you know, uh, people even call this racist, but the West seems uniquely good at innovation for some reason. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's two things. There's two things that make me confident. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, you give me, you give me a squad of like real motherfuckers, you know, like mm -hmm. not, not some of the shitheads that we have, like, like a no shithead squad, dude, like a lot of real motherfuckers. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll take them squad on squad any fucking day. Okay. Number mm -hmm. one, but number two, what, what, what I don't think people understand is how, how many years advanced our um our air not, not the air force specifically but like our air power our mm -hmm. our fighter jets our you know our capabilities you know mm -hmm. it's if if you're you know if you're still around the military man you would know this man it's fucking terrifying like mm -hmm. what we've built and what they're capable of man yeah, that's so, one thing you never hear about. Like we always yeah. hear, China just created this missile. North Korea just launched this missile. You never hear about what the U.S. is pumping out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what what do you think a six billion dollar budget buys you, bro? Yeah. Like, well, I guess that was spaceships. that was sort of a question I had real fast. Um, but before I get to that, uh, well, I guess you know what? I'm going to skip past the India thing because that's so new in my mind. Who they would fight for? I want to look at that like from a geopolitical. They, they point would of view. definitely fight for us, bro. <laughs> right, I'll take your word for it for right now, yeah. and I'm going to look into that because that's very interesting. But um, talking about like our budget for the military and stuff, um, this is perfect for the first question that I never got around to asking. Um, so the pre previous administration stated that the stockpiles for the military were low. Um, in 1968, the United States government spent 44. Nine, $449.3 on national defense. Um, that was roughly 10% of the country's GDP. In 2018, that number was almost double that amount, but represented just 3.8% of the U.S. GDP. So we cut 
you know, our percentage in less than half on defense. Um, and then I wrote down, how is the gear and supply situation for training and operating right now, given that the previous administration said stockpiles and stuff were low? Um, but you're saying that, in your opinion, we're good. We're spending more than enough money, and we got a lot of cool shit that no one knows about. Well, now, in, in one specific facet. Okay, and that would okay. be the air power. Yeah. Um, Where are we at with uh, the ground pounders? Uh. We're certainly in an innovative time. <laughs> All right. I don't know why the Marine Corps is incapable of buying a plate carrier <laughs> that is, you know, worth a fuck, but whatever, dude. But we, yeah, we got, we got new, uh, we got new plate carriers now that are better than what we had, but you know, mm-hmm. still kind of stupid, but you know, whatever. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, I wonder, we finally got a, we finally got high cut Kevlar's. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah, I saw it. Um, is it true that everyone's getting suppressors? Man, motherfucking kinda. <laughs> All right, and and everybody's supposed to paint their rifles now. And like, dude, I get it. I get it. Fucking everybody wants to be cool guy, but like, it's it's one of those things, man. Like now that I, you know, n- now that we have this shit, I'm just like, dude, I never painted my fucking rifle in Iraq. It was fine. Yeah. Okay. And guess what? Fucking a goddamn suppressor on the front of an IAR essentially makes this thing <laughs> a goddamn it. deer rifle. And how the fuck are we going to clear rooms? Yeah. Like, so there's still some issues, I guess, with like the the individual, the Marine Corps still getting the short end of the stick when it comes to like getting new gear. But how like for I, ammo, I, I like at ranges, it. are you still going bang bang or? Like, is it as, because they made it seem like it was a drastic thing. Like, we're so, like, the military doesn't have ammo and we can't train. Is it functional is kind of what I'm, I'm after here. It, it, if, you were to, if you were to shave and walk around with me for a week, y- you would. You'd have to kill me first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't call it abnormal. Okay. okay, so it's fine. It's, we can handle well, a war. But, but hold on. But that's at our level. Okay, uh-huh. because did we ever have enough rounds? No. Exactly. So it's like, you know, we never have enough rounds. Like, <laughs> all we know is we need more rounds. Now, what's the severity of that? Depends. Yeah. So I can, t- I can tell you right now, I've got enough uh, 5.56 five, to make my Pogues shoot table 5 and table 6. Mm-hmm. So Which for people who don't know ammo, is right? just like an extra, it's a, a bonus if you get to shoot those ranges. If you're a pogue, yeah. So, which personnel I, other I, than grunt? If 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 we have a fucking if we have an a significant ammo drought right now, I'm not seeing it. Okay, and also you know people underestimate because we've outsourced so much manufacturing, um, just for that's you know an economic thing. Um, I really think that if we were to have a problem and like get into a really big fight right now, I mean the power of American industry, you kick that up. And it'd be great for the country too. I mean, obviously, war's yeah. not great, but I think that people underestimate what America could start pumping out. I mean, we could look at even with uh, Operation Warp Speed, and you know, I don't want to get political on COVID and all that, but like what they were able to do in creating like uh, you know respirators and all this shit. Like when they kick, when the U.S. government kicks up, uh, it's one of the few things it does well. When it kicks up an uh, emergency effort to make something, they can make a shit ton of it. Fear. <laughs> yeah, 
that and we're really good at bombing people. <laughs> yeah. If, if you... And this is all my opinion. Mm-hmm. I do not speak for the Marine Corps. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, what you see... And I've, 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 you know, this is not a a hot take by any stretch of the imagination, Mm -hmm. but uh, YouTube and uh, mainstream media and everything, man, it's it's not America, okay? It's the Mm -hmm. it's the worst. It's 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 the worst personality ticks of Americans, kind of like laid bare. But it's not America, okay? Yeah. Well, that's. You, Sorry, go ahead. You you give us. You put us in a certain type of position, you know. Mm-hmm. And I can't speak for all Americans, man. But um, you know, even here in Southern California, man, and I, I live, admittedly, okay, I don't particular, you know, I work in Camp Pendleton, but I don't live on the coast, dude. You know, mm-hmm. I, I live like you know more in the Riverside area. Mm-hmm. You know, and we're, we're, we're just not, we're just not this. Okay. Like I tell all my fucking Latino neighbors, you know, that 1800 Americans got killed in Hawaii. Okay. Like Mm -hmm. they're going to feel that. Yeah. Well, I always, I say, you know, we've, we've been duped in this false binary, which, That'll that could lead us down a huge rabbit hole about authoritarianism, but where there's all these false divisions, really it comes down to what it always has, which is class. There is is a class divide in the United States, and there always has been, and that's yeah. the that's what really matters. Um, they use other things like race, like political affiliation, and then media bolsters it, and you know happens to to lend an ear to the loudest and craziest among us so then if you just you look online then it looks like it's crazy polarized and like people are at each other's throats but then when you go out and about you realize oh it's i live in because i live in south phoenix very poor area i go out people treat black white hispanic we're all part of south phoenix you know and then you go to scottsdale or when people talk about you know other people, they talk about Scottsdale, the really nice area. So I think that it's it's a financial and economic class divide. And all of this other stuff is just playing on that and disguising it, which I think is part of a bigger agenda. But that's just my opinion. Yeah, I, I don't dispute it. I can... And obviously, there are you know race divisions out there. I get that. I'm not, I'm not saying that that doesn't exist, just to be clear. Yeah, I... Yeah, if if you if you scare people like you, you know you you want to know what like one of my biggest fears in Iraq was what uh like shit that used to keep me up nights uh was being in a situation with uh like finding myself in some sort of situation where nobody spoke English. Yeah, yeah, and, language is a very powerful thing. Yeah, so guess what. You scare people enough and like people will just be happy to be like talking the same language and be like, all right, what do we got to do? Like, <laughs> yeah, well, that's actually that's funny. That's part of the it's not the only reason, but that's a uh, part of the reason why I uh, took Arabic as my language in college. How's that going? I just graduated <laughs> sum cum laude. So 
4.0 nice. GPA for anyone who wants to call me retarded. <laughs> but hey, uh, it's about out here. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not gonna. Because if I have anybody, I think Hank follows the show. I'm not gonna start yeah. speaking Arabic because I can already see the comments lining up where it's like, actually, because you know Arabic has three <laughs> dialects. That's what people don't realize. There's three dialects in Arabic. So I say one thing, and everyone's gonna start going. Ugh. But anyway, I do, I get you, what you're saying. Do you remember when they gave us those language cards going up to Kurdistan? <laughs> yeah, and they they gave us they gave us Dari. Yeah. Fucking language cards. And we're like, dude, they don't speak fucking Dari in Kurdistan, man. They speak fucking Kurdish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which at the time, I that was so interesting. I didn't even pay attention at all because I didn't care about politics at all then. And I didn't yeah. understand. They were like, oh, Kurds, I, you know, Iraqis, whatever. They're a bunch of Arabs. Now I'm like, oh, no, completely you, you different. Were in a, you were in a very interesting political space and time on that deployment. Yeah. That was yeah. – yeah, we can't really – I don't know how much of that is still under – NDA. I just know that when Gun, uh, you know, Gunny Williams went on, I saw him on a podcast, and he yeah. said he can't talk about it. So I'm just going to be on the safe side and yeah. <laughs> not really cover any of that or any of the, the you know the private industry stuff just to be safe. But anyway, we got down on a rabbit hole there. Um, did, did we sign NDAs on that deployment? Uh, I did. <laughs> the very first thing oh, we did before we thought. went up north. <laughs> yeah, they pulled us into a room. I remember. Phones outside, the whole whole deal. Like we're on SEAL team, felt so cool. And then know, they're like, right? "Hey, you do anything <laughs> wrong, and you go to Levensworth for twenty years." So <laughs> I was like, "All right, Whatever. I'm gonna be a good boy. <laughs> Just tell me who to kill." <laughs> but no, so that's so. As far as the supply thing, as far as you know, we're good. I want to get into the culture of the the military because okay. I think that there is we need people out there. Let me preface this. I love the Marine Corps. I'm very happy that I, because I joined so young that I'm glad it worked out the way it did where I kind of had to separate and then formed my own identity because the Marine Corps is very good at bringing people in, breaking them down and then making what they need. And then that's a bunch of violent, really good people that are really good at killing and have a very big desire to kill. Maybe not when you get like to where you're at, where you're you know older, you have some more experience. But I think you need people like that. You need people who want nothing more. They masturbate to the thought of sitting on a giant throne of Chinese skulls. We need that in this country. It makes us strong. But I'm not sure. I, you see all this stuff with like women in the military, which I wrote down. Um, in the Ar according to the Army's website, women make up about 2% of their infantry now. The trans thing's been a huge ordeal. Um, even when I was getting out, the hazing and the grunt core was a massive deal. Is there still that that kind of war warmongering mentality among the lower enlisted that you'd need, or is it really starting to get soft? And is it something that we should worry about? If you, like I said were to shave and put the camis back on and walk around with me for a week, uh, you would have some opinions, okay? Mm -hmm. Because things are certainly different, okay? Mm -hmm. Now, two questions real fast. Are there, yeah. are there women in the Marine Corps infantry or at least in operational units that you see? Yes. Okay, that's... That would be an adjustment change. Second thing, 
is I'm assuming not, but I could be wrong. Is trans even a thing that comes up or is that just something that comes up in the media and the politics side of it with the officers? Uh, I've never come across one like by, by that. I mean like an actual individual mm -hmm. that was trans, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. you, you see some, you know, some, you know, pretty butch, you know, for lack of a better word, you know, like females, yeah. know, but we always did. Yeah. You know, like that's not new. Yeah. Um, I'm talking about specifically like, yeah. And then, you know, you don't have to say anything about the whole trans issue. And me personally, I believe I wish them the best, want nothing but good things for my fellow American. I, yeah. I do not subscribe to transgender theory. I believe that they're mentally ill. And I believe that by telling them they are actually trans by doing these surgeries, Looking at the statistics, I personally believe it's doing more harm than good. Um, but I'm curious, like we all know there's a big difference between a butch lesbian and a transgender person. Are you, is that like a common thing that's happening where you're having trans people in the units? It sounds like no. No. I, 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 well, I haven't seen it. Right, okay. Yeah. It's obviously, you know. For, forget about like what's mainstream to talk about in the media you know if you look mm -hmm. at the statistics like i mean what are the odds a high school kids join the military okay now what are the odds a mm -hmm. high school kid that joins the military you know becomes infantry now what are the odds mm -hmm. that you see know, i'm you know like yeah. so i'm not saying it doesn't exist but i haven't seen it's it. just so rare that it's not yeah. it wouldn't even be uh you know uh it's, it's certainly factor. not a problem yeah okay so then let's talk yeah. about the women thing or the woman thing, how is that pretty prevalent? Like, do you have women in your unit now? Uh, n not in, in, uh, in one four. Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, directly under me as infantry Marines. I have not had that yet. Mm -hmm. It's coming. Okay. They, you know, there's a, there's a female, uh, machine gunner right now in one four cat. Uh, mm -hmm. that again, I haven't worked with her personally, but apparently, uh, she graduated machine gun leader. Apparently she's shit hot. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, I, so I, I assume you can't really speak too much on this. Am I, am I right about that? I, 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 know, I know what you're going to say. Let me, let, let, let me, let me cut you off. Um, the guy that the chief instructor of machine gun leaders course i'll keep his name out of it okay mm -hmm. um but i've met three three dudes that were my peers okay mm -hmm. that i can emphatically say were better 31s and better marines than me three mm -hmm. okay yeah uh one of them was keo mm -hmm. all right crazy hairy bastard that's beating people up in jujitsu championships yeah. now <laughs> uh, another one uh you remember hodap Yep. Yeah, Hodap was another one. Okay. And the third guy is the guy I'm talking about. Again, I won't I won't say names, mm -hmm. you know, but me and him were combat instructors together. We went through KISS together. Mm -hmm. I just, just just to put put it in perspective, he's a meritorious yeah. gunny. Yeah, so he's got merit to what he has to say. Oh yeah. And he yeah. was also an old uh before they disbanded Ninth Marines, he mm -hmm. had he had Afghanistan bodies yeah. with Ninth Marines and you know how those Are you gonna say were. that he he says yeah. that she's solid? He signed off on her being the honor grad. Okay. 
and if what just from if my opinion means anything to you man uh i'll follow that guy wherever the fuck so, so I guess here's yeah. here, what I was going to say is I have zero problems. I get that there's um, some weird like you'd have to make some adjustments if there were more women in the infantry. I don't think that's going to ever be a very prominent thing. But my only issue with that is lowering the standards. So that's why I'm curious. Yeah. Is she honor grad with the same fitness standards, the same? Because I know just from my personal experience, this is anecdotal, but they had they were experimenting with women going through just SOI, the School of Infantry, and they graduated a bunch of them, but they did not graduate, if you get what I'm saying. Now, that was true, all right, yeah. back, back, when you, back when you were young. That's my were, concern with yeah, it. That, that did happen. Mm-hmm. When you were younger and they were first starting to do this shit, like, that mm-hmm. was true, okay, as I understand mm-hmm. it. Um. But I, I can say I can say now as again this is just my opinion. I mm-hmm. I think the um, the it's not as shiny anymore if you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Now now that the kind of like the the floodgates are never really going to happen. Yeah. So women that are in the infantry man can like they they can roll you know what i'm saying yeah now are they are they top performers are they this are they that i don't know i i don't have any personal experience like leading any female marines i i can't really speak to the the logistics of it you know having Mm -hmm. a female versus male population uh i just have stories conjecture of like yeah i've heard it go bad and, you know, well, on the other <clears throat> hand, I've heard it, you know, like in this case, you know, with, with this particular female, uh, apparently it's going real good. Yeah. So, I mean, it, I mean, the job is where, the job, right? Where it gets weird, too, is like how is, I'll bring it back to my anecdotal example or even, I mean, we've seen it. The barracks, it's a bunch of dudes. Some guy brings a girl, a girl by and that room is right. full of dudes just to be around a woman. So that's where it would almost be better if there was a. Well, if there was a lot of women who came in and there was a pretty even ratio or something, that would be kind of like a normal workplace. What worries me is you take a male-dominated area that's always going – let's be honest. It's always going to be male-dominated. Yeah. And you put a couple women in there. Even if – let's say that they outperform all the men. Like when it comes to purely their job, they outperform all the men. You're still – going to have so many problems just from a sociology perspective and a human psychology perspective, especially with young, and I'm not talking about rape or sexual assault. I'm talking about young, underdeveloped, you know, their prefrontal cortexes aren't developed. They're full of hormones. I just think that it really hinders if I think it could really hinder combat effectiveness. Yeah. And that's, that's a concern to me, but I guess there's not really uh, much you I'll, can do. I'll say, I'll say uh, certainly, because uh, I've had the, you know, obviously I've had the same thought, thoughts myself. Like mm-hmm. me and you many years ago have had many of these same conversations we're having right now. Mm-hmm. All, all I can say to you, man, is that in my experience, um, I haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. Because, again, it, it kind of comes back to like, 
like the type of chick that will do the job, you know, mm-hmm. that's kind of a special type of female. You know what I'm saying? So long as the standards are upheld and she understands yeah. that she's going to be part of a culture and that's where it's like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to say I Lance Corporal. You're a Lance Corporal too. If it's, but again, like you said, it's a special type of woman who's going to be going through that process yeah. as long as the standards are upheld throughout boot camp, yeah. SOI. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a gnarly, it's already like a gnarly type of chick that mm-hmm. signs up for this, you know? Mm-hmm. And like I said, um, I've heard about it going bad. I've seen it going good. Okay. So, and also like the trans thing, yeah. it's not like even in the army, which is a lot more quote unquote progressive than the, the Marine Corps, it's less than 2%. And even a lot of those are in armor, about half of them. So they only have um, 601 active duty infantry females. So I guess it's, it's, you know, a, you know, I don't want to use the slippery slope example, but as far as right now, it's not the system's fine, the culture's fine, and it's not such a prominent thing that it's going to really fuck with the combat effectiveness of the culture. Yeah, I mean, not not really. Like it, it, at least, like I'm at, at this point, I think I'm confident in saying that, like I. I, I think what we're going to see kind of going forward is kind of like a, a steadying of numbers, if you mm-hmm. will, where like there's this percentage of American females that um, number one can do the job and will do the job, you know, mm-hmm. with honor and no issues and what have you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, and as it becomes less, like you said, flashy, then it won't be like every single, you know, because there's going to be a lot of officers who are very politically progressive. It's not going to be uh, a yeah. lot of them just trying to push people through like when I was in uh, SOI, School of Infantry. So when it's once it's not politically convenient to really care, then on the back end, you know, with the Lance Corporals and the Corporals, a lot of shit gets flushed out. People get straightened out. Yeah. I mean, and again, I don't have any personal experience leading females. Okay, I've trained females, but I've never been like, okay, in an operational platoon and we have a female in the platoon, uh, mm-hmm. minus a radio like, Barnes, you can't Spartan kick these ones. What? <laughs> <laughs> this is bullshit. This isn't my granddaddy's Marine Corps. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just, um, yeah, man, I, as much as we like talked about it and we're wary of it, you know, at one time. Uh, I I got it. I got to tell you, man. From like a guy on the ground, it's it's not been the issue that we thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. So maybe Super Troopers is in the future. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. All righty. Well, I had two more questions. Then the last one's just kind of a funny insight I remember that I learned from you and still use today. But first, you had also said um, in your Instagram message, so I can tie up this loose end that you guys aren't allowed to use the three percenter flag um is that is it obviously the marine corps kind of doesn't want you to be super political especially not in uniform but like with the three percenter flag does that go both ways where like they also don't want you to have a black lives matter flag 
Or is it like it is out here in regular society where it's completely biased and the standards are completely unevenly applied? Uh, I'll, I'll just, to, to that, I, I'm not a million percent like familiar with um, the policy handed down by the DOD as far as that goes. Um, if I had to make an educated guess, uh, I don't see any staff and CO or officer telling a black service member to take down a black lives matter flag. I don't see that happening. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a three percenter tattoo on my arm. Mm-hmm. When I got the tattoo, um, as I understood it, which is the truth, it was a representation of how basically 3% of the American population at the time of the revolution actually mm-hmm. fought in the revolution. Yeah, that's why we have it hanging yeah. up right there. I guess you can yeah. only see the stripes part, but it's a 3%er flag. Yeah, and it, it was essentially just a, a a continuation of that, how it was, it was a representation of like how so few Americans actually bear arms in defense mm-hmm. of America that's why we all like slapped it on, you know, and, Mm -hmm. you know, tons of my, especially my peer group, you know, like tons of us have that tattoo. Now Mm -hmm. where all this went back was uh, certain militia groups and far right political groups uh, use that symbol, especially Mm -hmm. in the Charleston riots. Okay. Yeah. Now flash forward like eight years or whatever it is. Uh, new Secretary of Defense issues a memo basically saying, like, you know, uh, I mean, you, you, you know guys that have Confederate flag tattoos. Yeah. You know, uh, you know guys that had Confederate flags in their mm-hmm. barracks room. Yeah. I, I was one uh, of them. That, I was from the South. Yeah. I got it from a black guy. <laughs> He's my friend. Yeah. That shit is absolutely no-go right now. Okay? Mm-hmm. And, uh, I wish, uh, the, the, the way I found out that my tattoo was like not authorized anymore was, uh, I was actually down in MCRD, like on the depot, you know, where they have recruiter school. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I went up to one of the recruiter instructors, like a Sergeant major. And I just say, Hey, Sergeant Mm -hmm. major, you got a minute for me? And he was like, yeah, man, what's up? And I was like, Hey, uh, I'm not saying I want to be a recruiter. This, this, this was before the tattoo policy changed, Mm -hmm. you know? And I was like, I'm not saying I want to be a recruiter, but, you know, if, if I was to get histed, um, would my tattoos, like, cancel me out? You know, mm-hmm. and I showed him my arms. And he goes, I, he goes, yeah. And I was like, why are they too big? And he just goes like, no, that's racist. Oh. And I was like, what? I was like, which one? He's like that. He's like, that's a racist tattoo, man. You'll never be a recruiter. See, here's and where I'm like, like, if you don't mind me asking, was a sergeant major black or white or Hispanic? He's white. Interesting. Yeah. And I was like, Jesus fucking Christ. He's like, yeah, man, you got to you gotta laser that shit off or cover it or something. And that was the end of the conversation. Real fast, what scares me, I understand the government pushing the shit, which I know that's your boss. You can't say anything. I fucking hate the government. And I understand them. The military is the, you know, they're the gun of the state. That's why people talk about, like, if they told the military to come in and take guns from American citizens, you'd have a lot of conflict because as soon as someone becomes the enemy of the state, then they're the enemy de facto of the military. That's why I'm against the militarization of the police. Very different role. They're peace officers, not military members. 
Um, that's what, you know, UCMJ, all that stuff. What, what bothers me about all of this stuff coming down with, when people like a sergeant major are calling it racist shows a level of ignorance towards it's just that because the you can say whatever you want about the Charleston riots that was used to say you know racist blah 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 it was used for political gain for division stuff like that but the symbol itself the oh the vast majority of people who support that symbol are not racist and it doesn't take long to research that and figure that out but a sergeant major who's ignorant to that that's what scares me because how many sergeant majors that's just getting indoctrinated now anything anti-establishment because what it really represents is anti-establishment you know kind of going against the grain what america was founded on individual liberty and what other things are going to be made quote-unquote racist that then now the people who enforce things against the enemy of the state which would be the people who are liberty-minded when they get, they start to think, okay, this group is racist, this group is racist, this group is racist, because they don't look further into it. That possibility terrifies me. I would hope yeah. that it would be more people who under, understand, like have a more a more personal and nuanced view of things as opposed to just program me Marine Corps, program me government. Yeah, I mean, they're... There certainly is probably some sort of like grandfathered in or some sort of like conversation to be had. However, I I am going to push back on you a little bit Mm -hmm. from not from a personal opinion standpoint, but from just a like there are casualties to change. Mm -hmm. Okay. now what I mean by that is that, um, yeah, the symbol meant a thing, right? Mm -hmm. And a good thing. And then some dudes waving the symbol all right, we're a part of a, you know, I mean, I, I watched, I watched that shit on the news, you know, when it happened, man. I mean, it, it was a no shit racially motivated riot. Yeah. I mean, but it was, it, it was, it was you know, like, a very small group of people. It was, it was, I mean, that's like saying that would be like saying the black lives matter flag, which is responsible for lots of deaths, billions of yeah. dollars in damages. Now that, that represents anarchy and chaos. Yeah. Well, that's the, now, see, if they wanted to do that, I would be fine. I'd understand at least it's being applied evenly. What's interesting to me and what scares me is that the anti-establishment thing, they take a couple of dumb rednecks who, and I'm not making light of Char- Charleston, but they take that and then this entire system is bad because that's anti, it's, I believe it was used because they like to do stuff like that on to right-leaning groups because they're anti-establishment, they're more pro-liberty, just politically. But then stuff like BLM is totally fine, which is completely in line with the state, which corporations are posting it on their pages. That scares me that at the high levels of the military and even trickling down, stuff that the state doesn't like, which is anti-establishment stuff, is getting hit on. But then I'd argue much more destructive things, much more racist movements are okay because they go in line with what the state wants towards the – and that's – that's what bothers me. Yeah. I mean, and that is what it is. Like, I, I don't think I should have to cut this ink off my arm, you know, yeah. based on my intent, mm-hmm. you know, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with it. Like since that day, uh, since that conversation, like one other person has brought up, brought up that tattoo, mm-hmm. but in no way, uh, in a punitive 
you know, just yeah. uh, hey man, what's up with that? You know, type mm-hmm. of situation. You know, like, in no way was it punitive. So mm-hmm. I don't really know like where this goes. You know, it's it's sad. You know, because mm-hmm. I I just I know so many Marines that have this and and the intent behind it. Mm-hmm. But I also understand the point that like you know, for better or worse, you yeah, know, but what's like, next? That's <laughs> that symbol can be associated with a very bad thing. And, uh, you know, I don't know what we go from. Yeah, but see, that's that's where that worries me because that's a very slippery slope argument. It is. But anyway, we don't have to stick on that um, because, you know, I know it's it's hard because I'm basically talking about your boss in a way. But um, we've also been going a while. Um, I have one more question and then I'll let you get out of here. I really enjoyed this. We got to just keep up and we got to have a talk just in general sometime just to hang out. Um, whenever, whenever you want to do it, man. Hell yeah. Um, also, you know, you're always welcome back on the show, uh, to talk about whatever we can have lighter episodes. This one's been a little bit more, you know, pointed, but I like to just look through the lad Bible and see weird shit. Um, stories. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like the good old days. Well, that's where this last, last thing I thought was interesting that I had to attribute to you and give you credit for, um, was one of those drinking times. Um, you told me something interesting, which was that online dating has given power back to men. And what you said was that back in the day, we'll say the 50s, right, pussy wasn't everywhere. So women, they, they had their pussy. And a guy, in order to get it, which all guys want pussy, unless you're gay, but um, all guys want to bust a nut, they would have to take you out to dinner. They'd have to treat you like a lady. They'd have to put in some work. And then in return, you give up the pussy. And then you brought up with this online dating stuff and with Tinder specifically, men don't, we can go get pussy anywhere now. So it's kind of all this third wave feminism that's, you know, get your tits out, suck a bunch of cocks, be men, which I believe that's what third wave feminism has done. It's just convinced women that they should try to be men, um, which men are, I, I believe that men created third wave feminism. I'm convinced because it's great for us. <laughs> but what's interesting is now if a woman wants to hold down a man, she has to put in the work. She has to learn to cook. She has to learn to clean. She has to do more than just give up the pussy. So in a way, you told me women through their liberation have given power back to men. And I, I think it's one of the funniest things and one of the biggest oxymorons on the planet. And I had to credit you with putting that in my brain <laughs> well I, I i definitely regret that articulation of societal change that i was observing <laughs> probably fucking you know 90 beers deep or whatever it was oh, I, yeah. I, I i think what i was trying to get at you know if, if i could uh all right go ahead we can cut this out yeah, if, if you want <laughs> if, if, if if i could uh make an amendment yeah to that uh By all you means. know philosophy mm-hmm. um yeah certainly i Certainly, I think that there's um, a detriment, you know. I can mm-hmm. honestly say that um, I met my wife right as, like, online. I mean, obviously, I've never mm-hmm. been computer savvy. Yeah. But um, right as, like, online dating was, like, really taken off. Okay, we're talking, like, 2014, you know, time mm-hmm. period. Uh, I met my wife, so it's never really been a factor in my life. But I watched all of you guys kind of go through it and do it, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. And, yeah, it it bummed me out in the sense that, um, you know, I did it the old way. And, mm-hmm. 
it it really bummed me out not not from like a a man's perspective of like oh you you know you just bang these sluts or whatever but like it bummed me out from the from the perspective of like like you know a female with like low self-esteem mm-hmm. is essentially like just low-hanging fruit Mm-hmm. And that always bummed me out, man, because like, you know, you always figure, I mean, like, yeah, party, you know, like be young, do your thing. But like, mm-hmm. you know, I I think about like a million chicks I went to high school with, you know, that were, you know, pretty, not hot, mm-hmm. you know, dorky, not cool, you know, and I'm just like, well, I mean, that chick deserves like, you know, a good husband and, you know, kids and everything, you know, else. Mm-hmm. And did you just say that it was pretty it, not hot? No, I'm talking about... Hang on, my wife's here now. <laughs> Oops, no, I got I'm you in trouble. I'm talking about chicks in general. I'm having a philosophical... Get out of here, though, baby. Ow. Get out of here. That's not ow. If you need me to uh, explain what you're right. talking about, it was... Anyway, sorry, but my my point is is that it really, bu- it really bummed me out about, like, this shit, because... Um, you know, it's just low hanging fruit, you know, because like I, I know how I know how the boys can be, you know, yeah. like I was like, this this ain't going to be good, man. Like and, you know, you I see was, male behavior is a constant. So that's yeah. why I think the thing to be mad at isn't the guys. It's the third wave feminism that's told these women it's devalued them by telling them to act like guys. It's thrown the system out of balance. I agree. I think feminism is horrible for women. It's great for the single dude, and it is sad. And it's also sad these 33, 34, 35-year-old women who have never had kids, and then they realize they're never going to have kids. They're past their, whether we like it or not, their shelf life for the type of mate that they want, and they're bitter and sad and lonely. You know. And that's not to say that a lot of women don't have careers, don't want kids. I'm not generalizing here, but I'm saying that saying that every woman has to act like a dude as you know it is sad yeah i i just like i said man like we all appreciate you know when we're younger that party chick you Mm -hmm. know that like gets down and like fucking a lot of love for him you know back in the Mm -hmm. days all right but there's there's always a sad story Mm -hmm. with that you know when you get older you know like we are now man like you kind of see the aftermath of that and Mm -hmm. just a bummer dude yeah you know yeah so so maybe a little bit, it's a more serious topic, but I still think you're, what you said is true. I just think it's bad for society, but it is, I guess the, the part that I laugh about isn't the women who get screwed over. It's more, I really dislike all of these feminists that are illogical. I like feminism. I don't like new feminism. So I guess that's where I laugh as I'm like, you've defeated yourself. You're, the snake has eaten its own tail. Which I guess, you know, it's not funny in the long run if you look at its effects on society and all of the casualties in that. But I do think that your original point, you know, maybe a bit abstract, then it still holds up. Yeah, I, 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 well, I would like to disagree with, with, one, with one part of that point I was making. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, kind of like tossing the ball back, you know, like, well, now women to keep a man, they have to learn how to cook and clean. Like, that is not true. Yeah. All right. Well, maybe that's a bad way of putting it. They have to bring personality to the table, I guess, was kind of something other than just sex itself. Well, no, even that, even that. I I think that there's, that's actually a non-starter. I I think there's like a division there. So I I think we don't even get to that point. Okay. How so? I think, I think that women, especially modern women, um, 
for whatever reason, uh, whether it's by by design or by indoctrination or by culture or what have you, mm-hmm. uh, cer- certainly have more of a, a a finished product personality to you know like I mm-hmm. have to you know you know find a guy who can you know how many how many times have you heard a chick you know like like, oh i just want a guy who can deal with me Mm -hmm. you know and like that type of shit you know so so okay so they're finished product okay so well if that being the case you know like you're just you know going through life trying to find a man who fits you well you're going to go through a lot of men who are just going to use you Mm -hmm. you know and and that's where i think we're having a really bad time in american society right now where like it's it's just it's just not you know clicking up, but yeah, I really blame the boomer generation for the rampant divorce that has just absolutely decimated an entire generation's faith and marriage. Yeah, I because I well I have a lot of problems with the boomer generation anyway, but yeah. it's yeah there's something to be said. I'm I'm not religious at all. Um, mm-hmm. I'm you know, I guess an atheist, but um, the Judeo-Christian values of a nuclear family, I think it's a very, you can't just get rid of that and not replace it with anything, which is what we've done. Like, you come up with something better? I was talking to Zach about this. Sure, I think that the way we're doing marriage in the last hundred years isn't working, or maybe 70 years with the divorce rates. It's clearly not working, but it's better than like the nuclear family and these Judeo-Christian values, you know, monogamy, They've worked better than a lot of other things we've tried, at least in our, you know, a class-based modern society that's post-agriculture. Yeah. So. No, you're absolutely right in my estimation, man. I I can just tell you from from what I'm trying to do, man. Like, um, uh, I, you know, obviously, like my my parents were divorced, but um, to to, to go like one level deeper. Um, my parents didn't get divorced till I was 17, like about to graduate high school. Mm-hmm. And I can remember like being a little kid, like begging my dad to divorce my mom. Really? Because like, that's, that's how bad shit was, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, and that wasn't good either, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I've, I've, I've really taken it upon myself in my marriage, you know, to like, to really not put that on the table, man, because like, I can't. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to not see my kids, you know? Yeah. Oh, that's a whole nother, a whole nother nightmare is the custody issues you have. I mean, the single greatest contributor to, um, crime is poverty. The single greatest contributor to poverty and throughout human society is a single parent household, particularly a mother. That's, I don't want to get into that whole topic, but that's just statistically proven. And, when you have someone who only sees their kids every other weekend, that's not a father. That's an absent father. So yeah, you have a imagine. giant generation of basically single parent children, and we're seeing the effects of that in our culture, yeah. which is an entire different conversation um, that I would love to get into you with you sometime. Um, but this has been awesome, man. I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, Even man. though I couldn't see you, it's still I got to see you at the very beginning. It was good to see you know an old face. Yeah, ne- next time we'll fix the camera. I don't know what the hell happened. Oh, yeah. Well, maybe next time or maybe sometime soon we can uh, – because where did you say you were stationed? I'm still in Pendleton. Yeah, so that's actually – I mean, I'm not that far away. I've been wanting to take a, a coastal trip. Maybe I could come out there and bring the recording equipment. Maybe we can do something on location. That way I could justify it and write it off on uh, my taxes. <laughs> hey, let me, hey, 
Look, I got a guest room, dude. You want to you want to come out? Fucking let me know. I'd like that. I line up a bunch of stuff. I want to go and see Harold up north in Washington. Yeah. Um, yeah, I want to I want to come and do a lot of filming, but um, for now we can stay and talk a little bit after this uh, if you want. But uh, I think do you have anything else or anything you want to shout out real fast? Or are you good? Yeah, I mean, this is uh, the first podcast I've ever done, so I don't fucking like, like yeah, like, and you can find me at fucking yeah. sucky fucky this and that Instagram. Like, I don't do. Well, Instagram folks, he doesn't have any social media to shout out, but <laughs> sleep tight at night knowing that uh, Sergeant Barnes is out there in the middle of the night slitting throats. <laughs> Every day that I wake up, I wake up in a nightmare Every day that I wake up, I can never see quite clear When I look at my surroundings, and everybody still doubts me I wanna live to hear a crowd sing, all my lyrics so loudly I miss the time